Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. So good to be back uh, with you today in worship. Uh, a few weeks ago, I went on vacation, and the next day I got COVID. <laughs> Woohoo! Isn't that like summing up 2020 and 21? Yeah. But we have so many reasons to praise God. We have so many reasons to give thanks to God. We have so much, uh, so much in our lives that we can praise Him for again and again and again. And I, I thank you for worship today, uh, being with you today. You're here and we're here. Thank you for the Lord and His presence and His love. question that comes up... Um, you don't have to look very far, you don't have to read very much, you don't have to watch too much television. Can God be known? Now we all have that instinct, we all have that desire to know the divine, to know the God who we hope knows us and loves us and takes care of us. But can we know God? You, you, you scan the environment and and man, as I've jogged around town, as, as I've drove around town, I, I, I'm not seeing too many nativity scenes this year. I'm not seeing too many signs. Maybe it's early. Maybe I'm just ignorant. I'm not seeing things. I'm not seeing too many signs that says Jesus is the, re Jesus is the reason for the season. I'm not seeing too many crosses lit up. I'm not seeing too many. I'm seeing a lot of lights. Uh, we, we live in a society that... that uh, Light and bulbs and shiny things is the reason to celebrate, apparently. Uh, and I understand why. We, we live in a, in a world, a pluralistic world. There, there's many religions, many different gods out there, so to speak. Uh, people believe in this religion or, or, or that god or that spirit. They, they follow people that claim to be divine. And, and into this... In, in the, this world, uh, because there's so much, so many different options, people have kind of given up and, and uh, they, they just, they've moved back and, and what, can we even know anything? Can we even know God? Why, why even try? Why get into disagreements? Why get into arguments? Why, why, why even worry about it anymore? Can God be known? Truly, can He be known? This time of year, we celebrate what God has done. We celebrate the Word who has come. Would you please open your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. God can be known because the Word has come. Come. John chapter 1, verse 1, please. What is God like? Who is He? Is He knowable? Is He here? John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God, and, and pause there with me, please. 
Uh, John's gospel starts uniquely among the other gospels. Matthew, of course, starts with a genealogy, tracing back the lineage of Jesus Christ. Mark starts with John the Baptist, his, his ministry. And Luke goes further back, a little bit further back, with almost the miraculous conception of John the Baptist and how he came about to people that were beyond the age of childbirth. But John takes us way, way, way back. He says, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Now, this, this, is, this is echoing out to us from Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. John says, in the beginning was the Word. He says, and the Word was with God. Now, all, all of a sudden, the, the mystery, we're not walking through shallow waters anymore. We're understanding that there was God in the beginning, meaning that before anything was created, God was. Before there was anything that was, God was. And the Word was with God in the beginning. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? God was in the beginning and the Word was in the beginning. What is that telling us? He clarifies some and he says, the Word was God. God is a diversity. God is one. Yes. What we have before us, folks, is this teaching that we can't avoid. This doctrine that has to be acknowledged. That God is three and God is one. What John gets into in the rest of his gospel is that there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. But he starts off by telling us there was a Word, the Word, who was with God in the beginning, who was God. And it seems like in verse 2, it's almost like a repetition, and yet there's something deeper there. He was in the beginning of, with God. There's a, there's a pronoun there. He was with God in the beginning. Uh, the Greeks, uh, the, the logos, the word there, it, it means words or speech, but there's a deeper meaning to it. The Greek philosophers said that, man, the logos is that thing behind all things that brings order to the world. The thing behind all things that we can't explain. It's the logos that brings structure to the universe, makes things rational and understanding. And so John, he's, he wants to reach people, the lost world. He, he wants, as an evangelist, to say, this is that. The logos that you think about, you philosophers, you stoic philosophers, you people are always thinking about deep things. You're thinking there must be something to hold on to, something beyond the flesh, something beyond the chaos that we see. And John says, this, the logos is that, the word. And it's not a thing, it's not an it, it's not a force, it's not an emanation, it's not this principle behind all things. He's a he. The word is a he. And the word 
was with God, and the Word was God. Meaning that He never was created. He never had a beginning. He was there in the beginning. He never came into existence. The ancient heresy of Arianism said that God made Jesus. He made Him as the highest created being. He made Him as this being that is beyond all things, higher than the highest angels, higher than anything ever was. And yet they looked at Jesus merely as a created thing. And even today, uh, in our world today, some groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses say that God is not three. There's one God only. Jesus is a created thing, a made-up thing by God, high and exalted, but not God. John proclaims here that Jesus, the Word, who is with God, is God. Can God be made known? What is He like? Who is He? Look down at verse 14 with me, please. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word that always existed, the eternal Word, who was with God in the beginning, at a point in history, a point in time, the Word took on flesh, took on humanity. Without ceasing to be God, without ceasing to be Word, the Word became flesh. God has come into this world. For what purpose? For what end? To be known. The Greeks looked at logos and they said a principle, a, an idea, a concept. The Hebrews looked at the Old Testament and they said in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And how did He create? The first command was, let there be light. The Word went out powerfully. The Word of God is dynamous. It's power. It's might. It's strength. Jesus is power and might and strength. But the Word is also revelation. The Word is also exaltation. The Word is shining the light in the dark places. Jesus is the light of the world. The Word. The Word became flesh. To what end? Why would God do that? Because God wanted to communicate. And so John picks this title. He doesn't use it in the rest of his gospel to describe Jesus in this high way. It's almost like there's so many titles in the gospel of John. He's almost like saying, this is the summary of all the titles that I've listed in the rest of my gospel. He's the Word. And the Word means communication. It means, means revelation. The Word means power. Jesus Christ is the Word. Now look at 3, verse 3. Can God be made known? All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> and pause right there as we ponder that. All things were made through Him. Is there anything that has been made that hasn't been made by Jesus Christ? No. 
Because he was in the beginning. He's eternal. He's the one who is always there. But, Pastor, I thought in Genesis it said that God created the heaven and the earth. Yes. The Word tells us that the Father created the heavens and the earth. The Word tells us that the Spirit hovered over the darkness. The Spirit was active in creating the heavens and the earth. And the Father maybe had the plan, and, and the Spirit had the hands-on, get His hands dirty and shape and craft and, and mold. But Jesus is the agent of creation, the agent of God. He's the active creator of heaven and earth. Deep mystery and deep wonder. Uh, apparently there was a teaching going on back in the day that John wrote this that said, maybe there's some pre-existent material. Maybe there's some, I don't know if they used the word matter back then, maybe there's something that's been with God forever. And so he says it in a negative sense, Without him was not anything made that was made. He has to clarify. The word is eternal. The word created everything. How could we ever approach and understand and get to know such a being? Romans 1.20 says that by his eternal power and divine nature, we can know that there is a God. We're without excuse. Okay, you can look up at the stars. You can look at animals. You can look at all the flora and fauna and everywhere. And, and, and you can guess that there's a God. There, there's a creation that testifies to who he is. But, but really, can you go very far with that? You, you can't go very far. We, we need something to understand the eternal one, to understand the creator. We, we need something more specific. There's general revelation. We need something special. We need beyond the dreams of, of people, beyond what they think God's like or what they feel He's like. We need truth. We, we need a picture drawn. We, we, we need something we can see and touch and, and feel. We, we, we need to, to, to know God. We, we, we needed Him to speak into our world in a very powerful and very specific way. In verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh, full humanity. God became full Humanity, so that we could see and we could touch and we could ask and we could hear. And he dwelt among us. That word there, you know what that, that, that harkens back to? When God uh, inspired John to write this gospel, so many allusions came to John's mind as he wrote. In Exodus, God commanded the Israelites to build a tabernacle, a tent where His presence, the Shekinah glory, could dwell in. And here, John says, man, when the Word became flesh, it was like a tabernacle was built again. Because the Holy God, the Eternal God, the Maker God, the Creator God, He tabernacled here with us. 
in a way that was tangible. When it says we saw his glory, what does that mean? Well, certainly we can think about the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus showed himself to John and a couple of the other apostles. We also see in Jesus' teachings, we see God. In, in, in Jesus' actions, in his character, his moral glory, they could see it as they walked with him, as they talked with him. They could see the glory of God present with them. You could touch the glory. Remember when the Shekinah glory came down, no one could go into the inner temple. No one could go into the inner sanctuary. No one could get close to God or they would die. And yet, Jesus came, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. You could know God by knowing Jesus Christ. He has been revealed to us. He's been explained to us by the Word. Look at verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. What do you think that's talking about? In Him was life. Well, going back to Genesis again, what did God create? He created all the inanimate objects in the universe. He created the, the sun and the stars, uh, all the suns in, in the universe, the maybe hundreds of millions, billions, maybe trillions of, of suns and, and all the planets. He created everything that wasn't alive, but he created everything that was alive too because in him, self-existent life, in the Word was life. Where did life come from? Did it bubble up out of the goo by itself, by accident? Absolutely not. The life came from God. And in the Word was life. And when He spoke into the darkness, life came forth. Because in God was life, and he wanted to bring life into the universe he made. By his power, by the word of God, it was created. Uh, in him was life, and this was the light of men. This, this is, uh, once you start looking at some of this theology, and you start looking through church history, and you start seeing about the different ways the theologians have talked about this, it's rather incredible, the arguments and the debates they get into. Some are absolutely sure that this is general revelation, that all of the life's history, all, all of the creatures that have been made, all the hum, human, humanity in all its diverse forms, and uh, ethnicities, and the different places they lived, and the history of mankind. This, this is certainly what, what's being told here, according to some, is that this is general revelation, the life that God sent into the world. It's a witness to Him. It's the light, it's the revelation that points to him. Where did this life come from? If not from God Almighty. And certainly, there's that. But couldn't this be more than physical life? Couldn't this be more than physical existence that God has brought about? Couldn't this be a spiritual life? Couldn't this be a life that goes beyond this life to an eternal life, which is the life, the light, of men, the light of humanity. It's all in the Word. It all comes from 
the Word. Man, you start looking at the depth of the Word. He is beyond us. Our minds can't comprehend Him. Our minds can't do the equations. Our minds can't put it together. And yet, God, who didn't have to show Himself to us at all, who didn't have to speak to us at all, He wanted to be known. Do you understand the grace of God that we're talking about during the season we call Christmas? That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son. What an amazing revelation that God has given. The light shines, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Some of you are, uh, in your translation, say, the darkness has not understood it. And certainly that's part of it. But John wants us to know that the Word has never been defeated. The Word in the revelation of truth, the revelation of teaching, the revelation of, of, of understanding. The darkness can't trap the light. The darkness can't hide the light. The darkness can't keep the light down. Truth comes into our world and will not be defeated. There was a man, verse 6, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light and all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. See, there was the people back then in John's time that maybe thought that John the Baptist was divine. Even after he was beheaded, he had his followers. Even after he was beheaded, and even as the years went by, he had his disciples that lifted up the name of John. And so John, the apostle in this writing, he makes it very clear Man, John the Baptist was sent from God. Make no doubt about it. He's the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. He's the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi. But he was not the light. He witnessed to the light. He pointed to the light, but he was not the light of the world. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now pause there again, because this, this is wonderful to know. The Word is eternal. The Word is creator. The, world, the Word has life. The, world, the Word gives life to the world in general ways. And in specific ways, the Word gives life to those who respond to him. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the word is the true light. We do see in our day and age something that's been taking place for thousands of years. People, because they know deep within, somehow, someway, they know there's something beyond themselves. Humanity uh, throughout the ages has always created idols made up their own gods, made up their own ways of understanding 
the phenomena of the, of the world, made up their own understandings of what happens after death. There's a lot of lights out there. There's a lot of voices out there that says this is the way. There's a lot of teaching out there that says this is how you are going to exist forever. This is how you should live. But John gets in our face. He says there's only one true light. And what he means by true is the opposite of counterfeit. The opposite of what is false. Now, I don't want to denigrate or, or run through the mud other uh, religions. Uh, all God's truth is, God, is, is, all truth is God's truth in a sense. And so over time, people have grasped a hold of eternal principles. They have grasped a hold of certain truths that they find in the world that align with God's word and teaching. But there's only one true light. There's only one truth. And everything that isn't of the word, everything that isn't Trinitarian is counterfeit. The true life, the true light, the true truth, the true revelation, the one that can speak into your life, the one that can lead you into true life, the one that can lead you to eternal life, his name is Jesus Christ. The word is the true light. And he was coming, but what does it say there? It says in verse 9, who gives light to everyone. Again, through church history, there's been teachings called universalism or, or uh, you know, like everybody's going to be saved in the end. It doesn't matter what path you take in these false teachings. We all end up in the mountain. You could be a Buddhist. You could be a Hindu. You can be a Muslim. It doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. And sometimes they point to this verse and say, it says right there, he gives light to everyone, whether they want it or not. And that goes contrary to so much of the Bible and so many in the, even in the context that we're talking about here, it goes context, contrary to that. What, what does it mean? Does it mean like everybody has this inward uh, understanding of things that comes from God? It doesn't mean, as I've said already in the negative, does everyone get saved? No. He gives light to everybody. Truth. He's revealed truth from the Father. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the true light who gives light to the world. In other words, God's through Jesus Christ, through the revelation, through what God has done, what we call the incarnation, through Jesus making God known, the world now has access to light. The light shines into dark places. Think about this way. We, we could think a, a, an analogy, a, an, an understanding of this, is that if you, if sometimes some of you have like maybe some drapes, some heavy drapes. You get up in the morning and you open the drapes and the light shines in. God's light shines into the world and exposes the darkness. It comes in the darkness but there's also the truth that now that the window is open, now you can see out. You can see things as they truly are. Jesus Christ, because he's come, because he's revealed God as he is, we can now see things 
for what they truly are. We can understand what God is like and who He is. That light of truth that wasn't around before Jesus Christ came in the flesh shines on everybody now. And now everybody must make a decision. Everybody must make a decision where they're going to stand. The light shines in everybody and you can't avoid it. Either you respond to it or you reject it. As was said in the communion service, those who reject the Son have God's wrath remaining upon them. Verse 14, how do we know God, the true light? How do, how do we know the eternal God? How do we know the powerful creator? The word has become flesh and dwelt among us. In verse 18, no one has ever seen God. And of course, this is the reason why we have so many religions, thousands of religions. God is invisible. God can't be seen. And, and, and when he appeared to Moses in Exodus, when he appeared to Isaiah, when he appeared to the... He wasn't... The fullness of God wasn't seen. It wasn't totally understand, understood. And so there's confusion. No one has ever seen God, but... The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. The only God, the Word was God, the only God who is in the bosom of the Father, right up close and personal, intimate and near, the only God who is at the Father's side has done what? By becoming flesh, He has made Him known. He's revealed the heart of the Father. He's revealed the character of the Father. He's revealed everything there is to know it's humanly possible in this dispensation and time to know about God. It's come through Jesus Christ. What is God like, my brothers and sisters? God is Christ-like. Who is God like? God is like Jesus Christ. If you see Jesus, if you know Jesus, you'll know the Father. Remember in John 14, Thomas, show us the Father. Show us if you've seen me, said Jesus, you've seen the Father. I have exegeted him. I've explained him. I've brought him to light as I've tabernacled in your presence. I've brought the glory of God down so that you know what he's like. Verse 14 again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The Apostle John testifies, glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace. Ah, praise God. What is the Father like? He's full of grace. What is the Father like? He's full of truth. Full uh, In the Old Testament, several Psalms always are talking about the mercy of God are new every morning. The mercy of God. Man, he didn't give us what we deserve. The mercy of God. And John kind of changes us up. The grace of God. The grace of God. Man, Jesus was full of grace. He gave us what we didn't deserve. He, he came to show the Father's heart. Why did God come to us? Because of the character 
of who he is. Why did God condescend? Why did God take on flesh? He wanted to be known. He wanted to be known. He wanted to be in relationship. And so God, the Son, the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us in verse 16. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Now this is speaking of Christians. Man, grace chasing down grace. Grace replacing grace. Grace installing itself in the place of grace. Our lives are, are grace filled because our God is full of grace. You know uh, what was talked about by our brother Paul there during the communion service was Jesus Christ came to go to the cross to take our place as a substitute. He went to that cross as an atoning sacrifice, a propitiatory sacrifice so that he would cover our sins and turn away the wrath of God through the implementation of himself on that cross. Taking the wrath of God upon himself, the punishment that was ours, Jesus took it. What is God like? God is like someone who would go on a cross and die for you. Because he wanted you to be forgiven of your sins. He wanted you to be reconciled to him. He wanted you to know his love for you to be loved with the love that they had in the Trinity before the creation of the world. We give God the praise that he wanted to be known. We, gave, we give God the praise today. We worship him because he made a way for us to know him and worship him. For the law was given through Moses. The law was a great gift. The law was a great grace. The law was a, a wonderful thing. The law showed us how far we were from God. The law showed us our sinful nature. The light of the law shined into our life. And it says, you're far from God. The law is like a mirror we hold up and we look at and we see ourselves as sinners. We see ourselves as, here's the standard, and we're way down here. The law came through Moses. Praise God that he showed us the standard. Praise God that he gave us the gift of the law. But, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus' teachings are truth. His preaching was truth. Everything about him was truth, showing us the way the world is and what reality is. God has made himself known through the incarnation. God, who is eternal, took on to himself human nature without ceasing to be God. The nature of man and the nature of God became one person. Fully God and fully man is Jesus Christ, our Lord. He came from heaven, the Word became flesh, made Himself like us 
so that we could know him. He made himself like us fully, yet without sin, so that he could become our sin bearer, so that we would not have that distance from God anymore, so we could be reconciled to God through the word. We have come to know God. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, meaning you're not born into the family of God. You don't get to know God because your parents knew God. You're not, you don't get to know God because you're, you, you had a godly heritage in your background. You don't get to be born again because of blood, because your mama, your, your daddy knew Jesus. It says there in verse 12, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Like, you can't make up your mind to know God and just know Him. You can't say, well, I, I just want to know God and I'm just going to do it. I want a relationship with God, I'm just going to have it done. You, you can't do that. Moses' law says you're far from God and you can't save yourself. It, it says here, he gave the right to become children of God who are born not of blood, not a family lineage, not because you made up your mind, nor the will of man. No pastor can save you. No priest can say rights over you and make you alive in God. You have to be born of God. You have to be born of God, says the word. You are born not of blood, nor of the will, or the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. God has come and made himself known. God has come and he's gone to that cross. God has come and sacrificed himself on that cross to pay the penalty of your sin that you could never pay for yourself. And the invitation, the call of the gospel call is a great mystery, but it's a great truth. It's a, it's a, it's a deep under abiding kind of a, 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 a gospel that says when you receive him in other words when you say I understand that Jesus is God I understand that he died on the cross for me I understand that he did all these things his teachings are true when you say I receive him when I say I'm in allegiance with him I bow the knee to him I say yes I see who you are and I see what you've done and I see my need. It says when you receive him, when you believe in his name, he gives you the right to become a son of God, a daughter of God, children of God. And the wonder, the mystery of it, conversion depends on God to make you alive. Can we know God? 
can we understand what God is like? Only through Jesus Christ, the Word. Receive Him. Bow the knee to Him. Give your life to Him. Believe in Him. And you will know God in this life. And you will know God into the next life. You will have eternal life in the name of Jesus Christ. Know God this Christmas. Would you please stand in His presence? Lord God, we love You. We praise You, Lord. We thank You for what does it mean for you to come into a world of darkness. You didn't come to this world because we were good enough. You didn't come into this world because we earned it. You didn't come into this world because uh, you were so enamored by us. You didn't need us. And yet you came to show us yourself, to reveal us to us who you are, and to call us to know you. Lord, that is awesome. Thank you. Lord, we pray for, for our, our relationship with you to grow and flower and bloom and bear fruit. Draw us near to you, Lord, those of us who know you and call, have bowed the knee to you and, and received you and believed in your name. But Lord, we ask for the grace, Lord, that we could share this revelation, this light, this truth with those who are in the darkness still. Please, Lord, let the gospel go forth. Let the truth go forth. May you make yourself known to more and more people. May your name be hallowed upon the earth. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For you are worthy, Lord. Lord, bless us as we go. And may we continue to share the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may many people come to know you in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people. And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity, or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.